0: Hey, you beautiful fucks, in episode 12 of the Becoming Human podcast, we will explore Jesse Nutting's pursuit of fulfillment. In Massachusetts as a child, Jesse had struggles, much like our own, that inspired him to run away, migrate to the Pacific Northwest, join the military, and find a passion for martial arts, even further, passion for the feeling of fear. I'll step out of the way and let him tell his story, but before that, here's a song by the Living Arrows called, I Am Not My Thoughts. Sometimes we get so caught up in our extrinsic value and forget to empty ourselves to the point of being beleaguered. It is emptiness in which we find freedom. Meditation has taught me that. The song helps me remind it. helps... Blah, Jesus. Can't speak for shit today. This song helps me remind... Helps remind me of that. <laughs> Tongue twister. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, rate and review. If you do, and share it. Uh, thank you guys for listening.
1: does the same thing, but it's legal.
0: Really? Yeah. See, and that interests me because you know what Molly's really good for? Do you, um, you know, like on a personal level, like for me, for instance, I got some heavy shit where, uh, when I was a kid, you know, some shit happened, like my dad, he'd get really mad at my brother and he'd scream at my dad. And so when people get yell, like not like, when people yell aggressively, I guess a lot, I, I'd be uncomfortable. Cause then I'd be reminded of that. So like, kind of, it's not
1: so like high school sports and stuff. Kind of. Uh, like, not
0: like that. You know? That stuff's fine, but like, I don't want to get in confrontation. I would oh, avoid yeah. confrontation because okay,
1: um, that's how you should do it. No, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but what's interesting is to be able to do psychotherapy with Molly and stuff, because what they're doing now is they're showing that um, there's huge. So people who have like PTSD or any kind of trauma. Um, they're able to basically bring that memory up and they they get high as fuck on Molly. And then a, a therapist would come in. I'm sure it'd be easy to know how to do this on your own, mm-hmm. but therapists would come in and then they would work through whatever memory that was. But you know how you feel when you're on Molly. Yeah. So that feeling gets attached to that memory. So it, instead of trauma...
1: It accelerates. I'd say it accelerates and multiplies mm-hmm. your feeling. Yeah, it,
0: it, exactly. Like... I, it, it intensifies it. Overwhelming. Yeah. Like, oh, 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 oh.
1: like, uh, down south, um, donation only, uh, they have ayahuasca camps.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Whoa, really? Yes. Damn. See, there's one in, um, Seattle where it's a church and you can go yeah. there by donate. Yeah. Donation only. That, yeah, that's I'm, that I am to go to that shit. <laughs> and that's what I think is cool is that people aren't like, so Molly, in my opinion, Originally, at least from where I'm from, Idaho especially, uh, when you bring that up, you're like, ah, oh, partiers, ah, uh, people throwing their life away. But ravers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now people are coming to this understanding where even, whether it's recreation or whether it's for, like, uh, you know, psychotherapy, even if it's for both, then it, we're all just people.
1: Sam Ravers, and I mean, it, I mean that's what I mean. <laughs> Exactly.
0: And there's, um, I was watching a documentary where it's like, I take my mom and dad to Burning Man, and obviously Burning Man's not really rape. But I'm
1: taking my mom and dad to Burning Man this year. Are you really? Oh my god, <laughs> fuck yeah! Well, hey. My mom and her new husband, not really my dad. Oh
0: like, really? I'm taking, taking
1: them Burning Man. The what?
0: Man. Have they ever been? No. Oh, dude, have you been to Burning no. Man? <laughs> I want, I'm going to Burning Man next year too. I think I'm taking my mom. I, yeah. Dude, you yes. got yeah. Fuck yeah! That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, man. That's what I mean. It's like people would have like, uh, you know, super buttoned down people are opening their perspective to this kind of thing because they're not just generalizing it as, you know, that shit for, uh, for kids or adolescents or people who aren't going anywhere. Successful people use these things. And just because we use these things doesn't mean we're bad people, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I've experienced with like acid. I've taking a lot of mushrooms lately. Like I, um, I microdose acid regularly and how uh, I How many mics do you use? Uh, um, I use an eighth. Mics, like how many mics? like?
1: Well, I break up, I don't even know how many mics are in tabs that I have, but- um, Yeah, that's what you have to know, is how many mics are in a tab. That's what I was asking. What I usually-, I usually Like my tabs I usually have are 200 mics, a mm-hmm. normal tab usually only has about 120 to 140.
0: So if I was breaking it up into eighths, then I'd be getting about 20 mics in eighths, roughly.
1: Roughly, yeah. yeah.
0: And so about 20 mics. And that's where I think they said anywhere between um, 20 to 50 is the microdosing range. Do you, Have you ever had an experience with microdosing or do you just take
1: fucking I, full doses? Dude, uh, I had 200 mic shit last week and I mm-hmm. did 11. Really? 1,100? Oh, no, no. 11 doses of the 200 mics. Whoa, fuck. <laughs> so How was like, that? Tell me that about so this. about 20, 200 mics. Oh,
0: God. How was your experience? Like...
1: So well, I got into the rave. Um, it was safe and sound. Oh, yeah. I fucking I stringed some uh some I stringed hundred hits of acid to my leg. Oh shit! <laughs> so I brought the acid into the rave to mm-hmm. sell it, of course. Yeah, exactly. So I was selling it a few times, and then I fucking was like, okay, I'll do two doses right now. Fucking got two doses in. Fucking start kept selling it. And then I fucking did another, a third dose to myself, mm-hmm. um, and then everything started fucking kicking in. Um, I started peaking. Yeah. Like people, like a lot of people, knew I had acid now. So everybody was coming up to me asking for it. I was like, yeah. So I, I was having trouble dosing people. No, <laughs> <laughs> one chick, I actually fucking gave her three doses when she bought one. She was uh-huh. like, do I give you thirty now?" I was like, no, 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 no. You owe me $10 from the dose I gave you and you get two free fucking doses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the only one I messed up though. Every other one I got perfect. Though. Really? <laughs> I just had to really concentrate on it. Like I, I was concentrating so hard to give this girl a dose. Yeah. I had my phone in my other hand while dosing her. I fucking gave her one drop dropped my phone. And my phone went like three <laughs> foot stairs. Oh down. no. And then like fucking I mean, it was so obvious I fucking like strapped it up and like put it back away. And yeah. And get caught it. Oh god. <laughs> that would've
0: been sketchy as hell.
1: <laughs> oh dude, do not do your own fucking t- <laughs> Yeah, and then after after the rave, I was I only did three you- dose at the rave after the rave yeah. was over i went back to the hotel room oh no, <laughs> gosh <laughs> so i started smoking some weed yeah fucking started doing some whippets uh-huh and somewhere in between that time i did eight more fucking hits of acid oh my I was, god i was having like i was staying with a couple of my friends yeah and they were having their their friends were coming in like we were it was a like a lot of people coming in and out mm-hmm. and everybody was all like do you ever know get molly and then they're all like he has acid if you want it. So I was like, 10 dollars a (laughs) hit? I finally fucking came to the realization of like, I stopped fucking like, being too high. Mm -hmm. But then I was on a main fucking line of, I'm losing my fucking mind, but yet I can see everything again.
0: Oh oh, yeah, it's coming back to clarity almost. I'm
1: I'm at clarity, but I'm still higher than I've ever been on acid. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. I remember I was laying my eyes closed one time and... Like I was fucking thinking to myself, I was like, I, know, I was trying to explain to everybody. Every time yeah. I tried to explain something, I was like, "Dude, I I just figured out life. The answer to life is <laughs> 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 not being able to explain what the answer to life is." And then <laughs> I came to it. And yeah, I was, enough, and I was like, "You're born into this world to live it freely, but yet man puts laws against you." And when you break that law, you get put into man-made prison. So, the purpose of life is to live free off the land, away from civilization. Ooh. Because if you want to truly live, to truly live is to be free. And to not listen to man, not revert yeah. back to us. Like, everybody, like, Whoa. look at us, we're... The reason why we can't handle the weather and stuff is because mm-hmm. we live indoors with heat and everything. Uh, like, cavemen used to freaking live in caves because it shelters you and that mm-hmm. keeps you from rain and everything. But they didn't, and they wore freaking. They killed animals, ate all the animals, used all the animal, yeah. Put the fur on and walked Damn. and traveled. Like, we are dying a lot quicker it's because we're not living completely
0: we're not being challenged in every aspect that we're used to it's like a muscle you don't use it it atrophies it goes weak and limp yeah that's why i've been tripping about with this cold and shit. i have people oh you working out in the cold and i'm like look at them yeah i hated it at first but if you think about it that's all we've ever lived in we lived in the cold and now people hide inside because it's too cold to go outside and (laughs) i've been taking cold showers and shit and i found out that this might seem naive or kind of ridiculous, took me this long to figure it out or something. But uh, discomfort is relative. So I used to shiver really bad when I would go outside. Now I could walk outside and not being, um, not trying to brag or anything. It's just interesting to me. I can go outside with a short sleeve shirt for hours right now. I can go jogging in no shirt or short sleeve shirt. I'm not cold because
1: I've grown accustomed to that standard of cold. Ready for this? Yeah. When it gets down to about 60, 70 degrees Mm -hmm. in Florida, that's when they drink coffee. Really? Yeah, they drink coffee at like 60, 70 degrees. They drink hot chocolate at like 60, 70 degrees to stay warm. Because it is so warm down there. That's their coldest, 60, 70 degrees. Being from Massachusetts, I used to like walk out barefoot until there was a couple (laughs) inches of snow out there. And I'd be like, okay, time for fucking shoes, I guess.
0: And I know I used to wear a jacket in the summer. Because I'm from California
1: originally. Yeah. yeah. Like, I used to be able to wear shorts during the wintertime without a care out here when I first moved out here. Mm-hmm. Now, out here, I'm like, okay, with some long johns on. Yeah. I throw some pants over that. And then we throw my t shirt on, then a hoodie over that, and then a jacket. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not used to the cold anymore. I'm, I'm not fresh from Massachusetts.
0: It's incredible how adaptable we are in a lot of ways at the same time though
1: no we're anti-adaptable that's what it really is
0: As in, yeah where our older ways kind of st- still manifest throughout our entire life
1: yeah, yeah. We c- it's we can't adapt to the world because we're so sheltered
0: i agree in the trying to change our outside world instead of trying to change inside and how we deal with how we process everything, I think, is a fundamental flaw because it'll always it'll hurt us in the end. Like, and this is to even just go into something completely tangential or like off the fucking topic. Yeah. Uh, if you look at feminism and how like New York just passed the law where um, the city of New York, um, if you use the incorrect pronoun, so if let's say you got you got pussy now you're a woman, but you know you're making your transition. I called you a him without asking you a pronoun you preferred, You can sue me for like $250,000 and I go, Jim. And, um, but, so what I'm saying is, is that we're creating laws trying to change the outside world, but in the end, it's all about how we process things. Because the outside world's always changing, is uncontrollable, but in here. Are
1: you really wanna think of this? Huh? I think it's, we're getting weak. The population is getting weak. We are out. As in, like, you can say the wrong thing to somebody completely. You can be like, "Merry Christmas," and if they're Jewish, they'll be like, "No, that's not, that's not right, man. Yeah. That's against." Like, me, I'm Jewish. I celebrate Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. I went to Walmart a couple of days ago because I wanted a menorah and I wanted my yarmulke and I wanted, you know, I wanted a couple of dreidels and everything. Mm-hmm. Like and even I even wanted the star of David because that's a big part of my religion. Yes. So I get to Walmart and I'm like looking around the whole store. I see Christmas, 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 huge-ass Christmas tree, I wanna walk through the door and we'll go around and everything, and everything's all Christmas. Like even the music on the radio is Christmas. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, so I'm up to one of the workers I was like, Where's your Hanukkah section? Mm-hmm. She's like, Well, you go through the um uh, you go through the main main door and you turn right to your right, and it's actually about that big for you. Like a, oh, three, a three-foot section with like three rows of stuff yeah. only. I'm like, they don't even have a they they don't have a real menorah. Like a real a real menorah has the candle the, the candle for the middle, four candles on each side, but under the middle candle they have the star of David. Yeah. That's what a real menorah is to me uh-huh. personally. That's what I find to be a real menorah. They had electronic menorahs, which are totally against like, like the, the whole cause of religion. Yeah, a, not authentic. A, a whole cause of religion, because the religion is you light the first middle candle. If that stays burning the whole time, you have a great festival. Really? Then you light every other candle, one at a time from each side for uh-huh. each after each night. At, uh-huh. at the night beginning the, the night, you light your first candle. At the beginning of the second night, you light your second candle. All eight candles are burning plus the middle one which makes wow. nine candles. If the middle candle burns for all nine nights, mm-hmm. then it was a very, or all eight nights, then it was a very great festival. It means, really? it made perfect. Wow. But, what they have electronic ones where, you know, it's not, gonna, yeah. you know it's not going to burn out. That, right? has, like,
0: that has nothing to do with the culture and the tradition.
1: Yeah, the true story behind it has been lost. Wow. That's, but no, what God, I'm getting back to is, people are weak because, when I saw that, I was like, I felt hurt. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, 90% of America, yes, they celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes, it sells bigger, and well, Hanukkah doesn't sell at all anymore yeah. because not many people celebrate it. Because it all is now about sales and money and everything, and people get forgotten. And that's how I feel the transgender have gotten. They've been forgotten, they've been belittled, they've yeah. been hit by a minority, out basically. Yeah. Yes. So now they wanna speak up mm-hmm. and if you call a black guy the N-word straight to his face, yeah. it's a hate crime, right? Yeah. Because there's less well, there was less out there in the world than mm-hmm. white people. Because if a white guy comes up to a white person call or a black guy comes up to a white person and calls him a cracker, yeah. What am I gonna do about it? Yes I am, sir. I am white. I am a cracker.
0: That is true.
1: I, I can't call hate crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can call it, but... Nothing's going to happen. There's no
0: legal action. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, come back to feminism has gotten way too strong Mm -hmm. because I was... um, I said something I shouldn't have to my baby mama Yeah. in front of my daughter, even though my daughter can't speak. Yeah, exactly. I said something wrong in front of my baby mama. Mm -hmm. She hit me. Yeah. I walked away, walked out the door, got in my car, left the house then dialed nine one one, and it was like I was hit by my baby mama this is her name this is what she, who she is and everything mm-hmm. they go over there they question her and then they stay there for three hours to make sure I wouldn't come back and do something to her Wait, what? I became the bad guy what? in this situation. You're the one who contacted them? I'm the one that contacted them. I was the one that was hit. I was the one that left the scene right when I got hit. I did not retaliate at all. God. I didn't even say a single word. I turned around, called them. Left the scene called them. What? That's fucked. So you been there for three hours. And then the sheriff told her afterwards, you should get a no contact order against him and file a parenting test so you can get full custody of your daughter. You called them? I called them for them to tell her that. Now because she's paying child support and has to go to court for custody. Wow. There you go. Give her an idea and she runs with it. Yeah, that's... Wow.
0: And it's just the way they treat men in, in any parenting role or relationship role. The assumptions are fucked in most cases. I've, oh, yeah. I've dealt with it a lot. It's-
1: Washington, feminism is beyond in Washington. Gay rights is mm-hmm. beyond in Washington. Now guess who the minorities are? Yeah. The straight white male becomes a minority and becomes the weak power because I, they were so strong for so long. Yeah,
0: I think that their um, the representation of their voice does become a minority because you even have other people who are like, uh, would be men, for instance, uh, who are feminists saying that. I will do, you know, anything. Bend over backwards for a woman, and I will also martyr myself or sacrifice myself for a woman. Not physically, obviously, but like socially, importantly. Uh, what do you call it? The yeah. Equality, women, feminism. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, so well, I, what I think is a problem is that when you have one group who is trying to empower it's not a bad thing to try to empower yourself as a group or even as an individual, but when you only empower yourself
1: and you go put another equality. one down. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not
0: doing this in unison as with unity of all. You're going to rise to the same level and then go over. Cause that's how that works it's a power struggle it's yeah. you know group on group we like to form teams
1: there's no 50 50. yeah
0: exactly unless you try to unless that was what your protests were and what your everything was about was you know we all need to be equal instead of
1: women are men are horrible fuck them. well it started out with the right. women that really felt like hey i'm a lot lower than he is like back when it's so like when black people started their march for equality. Mm-hmm. They were looking to be equal and not be belittled by them. Yeah. That's when they became equal for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think they gained more power or anything. Nothing mm-hmm. like that. But I believe that white people didn't protest, hey, I want to be equal or mm-hmm. I want this, or I want that they didn't speak up at all. So they went downhill. Yeah. Because somebody, when somebody's voice gets louder than somebody else's, the other person that's quieter mm-hmm. gets overlooked.
0: Yeah, exactly. You become the underdog or the minority, vocally anyways. I think, like, the only distinction that I would make, though, is at the very least, back from what I'm aware of in that whole the movement for uh, racial equality, that... They were trying to go more of a peaceful approach. Not, I don't even mean it in the terms of violence, but like accepting as in, we just want to be, we just want to have everything you have as yeah. opposed to where women in well, some I mean, groups. I, like yeah. I, said,
1: I think the first group of them mm-hmm. wanted that. Yeah. And then that. the next group that came in there were like, mm-hmm. Hey, I know we're women. I know we have almost the same amount of rights now. Yeah. But, you know, we still got this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then those became equal. And then more, the different women came back in there were like, now we want more power.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that it could be damaging if we're not careful. Because, like, what you were saying about your resilience and um, with cold, and even when you saw, like, the Hanukkah stuff, it upset you. You realize you could do things about it. Yeah. Um, but... You have the locus of control or the security within your own self and confidence in yourself. No one's trying to hurt you. It's just shitty, and you deal with that. Um, I think that that's far more crucial and critical to develop that on an individual level than creating legislation where you just sue Walmart. And that's what we do. You know what I mean? We yeah. sue and we imprison happy, for crossing yeah. the lines. And yeah, yeah, and in prison too, because I think what that happens is you're constricting people. Because it goes back to what you were saying about like a nigger, for instance. The, that word has power because it's a word, it's a taboo word. If everyone's so like fuck, for instance. If my son said fuck, my fucking toy broke in half. I wouldn't take offense to those words because it's not offensive words. It's just he's talking about his story. But if he says, fuck you, dad, you motherfucker, I would be really offended and those words would really hurt me. But we use them all the time. They don't have power. But if I said nigger to someone who is black, that's a very powerful word. And I could use that to hurt them because it is a taboo word. It's something we don't speak of. That's, so when I use it, it's like, "whoa, man. And then, now you're in this awkward and racial situation. Yeah. And so I think doing that even with more, because they want people to say, if you want to be called they, then I have to address you by they. If I say he or she, that's illegal. And that's just in the state or the city of New York and in Canada now. And I think that's dangerous as we keep going on. And what yeah. you're talking about with this internal control, I think it's important to kind of develop that. Yeah. And then uh, also I was curious too. How'd you get into martial arts?
1: Um, I was, after I got out of the army, mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing the combatives in the army. Yeah. And really I did infantry. So I really had no learning experience except for, hey, I know how to shoot a gun now. And I yeah. know how to kill people. You were in infantry? Yes. Oh, what? So I was... Like, okay, well, I learned combatives and I learned how to defend myself. So I started teaching a few kids around my neighborhood how to do arm bars and little things like that. So I learned from the infantry. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was walking by Matt's gym one day in Live RMA in Burlington. I was walking by there and I walked in to see what it was. And Matt greeted me. And me being well young and naive. I was like, Yeah, yeah I wanna I wanna get knocked out. <laughs> I wanna go against somebody and you know, I wanna fight and I wanna lose. I wanna find somebody better than me. And in the back of my head I was like, I'm the best. Nobody's better than me. Ego. <laughs> but
0: yet yeah. I went in
1: there. I did a class with them. I went back the next day and I uh, paid my tuition. He asked if I wanted to start that night. And I, was, I had to say no because you know I was a kid. Yeah. I was naive and I was not in the right state of mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, I'll come back on Monday. Can you start it then? So I started. Monday in November, I think it was the 12th, in 2012. Uh, 11, 12, 12 is the day I started. 11, 12, 12? Yeah. and, And exactly one month after that, I had my first fight. I trained every day. One month after signing up for that gym, I had my first fight. I went out there. I do what Matt said, take my angles, throw my jab, take my angle, throw my jab. Well, I took my angle, I threw my jab a couple times. I hit him every time. I can not block one hit. So I went for his neck, grabbed it, tried to do a guillotine. Mm-hmm. He picked, I threw my legs over and he picked me up and slammed me because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And then I scrambled up, tried to throwing up a triangle. He tried to pick me up and slam me again. I put my arm down and slammed his face into the mat with my legs. And it knocked him out cold in 36 seconds. Oh. So I had a 36 second TKO for my first fight. Damn. And after that day I was like, I'm in it for, for the long shot. Yeah. I'm going to stay in this forever. And four years later, mm-hmm. I'm still doing it. Same gym. I was I went 98 as an amateur, had a lot of amateur fights, and I was like, okay, so I came I became a pro and I'm one in two as a pro right
0: now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. That's that's fucking crazy. And like, what attracts, what do you like so much about being in the cage? Getting hit. Getting hit? Really? Getting hit. Oh, why getting hit? I'm curious.
1: Because you don't know if you can fight until you've been hit. Yeah. Not when you hit somebody, because anybody can hit anybody. Mm -hmm. But when you get hit and you can take that hit, that's when you know you can fight. So getting hit is my favorite part of being in the cage, that's why I know I'm in a fight.
0: Holy shit, I see what you're saying. Damn. That's one thing too, is getting over that fear of getting hit and your, your body's natural tendency to just kind of swell up as opposed to stay alert. And then, fight or flight. Exactly. And trying to overcome that, dude. That's fucking, I love, I love it. It's a lot of fun, yeah. like a practice because there's no end to it in a lot of ways yeah Yeah, it's fucking cool and then what do you call it when what did it take for you to go professional from amateur to professional
1: dedication Mm -hmm. and time and showing that I wanted it like around like my 14th 15th fight Mm -hmm. I stopped making weight like I'd be like a couple pounds over than what I should have been which wasn't cool at all showed disrespect to my opponent pretty much like yeah. hey I didn't get down to on 155 I'm 160 you still want to take this? like it was amateur shows anybody wanted to fight me I'd fight anybody mm-hmm. so he usually took it and then I I took a few fights way outside of range I was 174 once and I fought at 185 a oh, guy yeah. that was cutting down from 200 Jesus he <laughs> he knocked me out in 30 seconds oh god like I was like, hey, experience. Let me keep going in here. Let me keep showing that I'm not afraid. Yeah. Anywhere, anytime, any weight. No matter what. Damn.
0: Damn. But then when you put that time in, though, it's ultimately the place where you learn the most, too, is when you are in the cage.
1: It's- so, like, my last two amateur fights, I made weight both fights. hmm And one I came out with, a, it was a Muay Thai fight, and the guy hit me in the ribs super hard oh, shit. like with a knee and I collapsed and couldn't breathe. I'm pretty sure he didn't hit my, he didn't hit my rib. He hit my like liver. I think it was. Yeah, it was a nice liver shot. So I came down and I could knock it up after 10 seconds. Oh, but I made weight. I showed I wasn't scared. I went in there and I fought. Yeah. Then my last fight completely. I made 155, no problem. I went in, and I fought in up in Lummi again, where my first fight was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm undefeated here. Let me do my next fight up here. So I did my next fight up there, my last amateur fight. And I went out there against one of their guys, Wayne Ohms, and I, we stuck it to each other the first round. I felt I was getting in and out better than him. I had my reach on him and everything, Shown kicks. And then um, in the second, earned the first, yeah, at the end of the first round, I got him really good and he started like running back. So I knew I hurt him. Yeah. So I kept running in on him, gave him the one twos. And then um, he, he was dazed when he hit, when I hit him again and he was against the cage, he was dazed. So he was going down a little bit. So I grabbed <coughs> his neck and I, brought it back for a standing guillotine Yeah, and he wasn't tapping. So I put my legs around his legs and brought him down to the ground mm-hmm. and started just choking him out Sweet. and he started tapping and it was like two seconds after the first round.
0: Really? Oh, shit. Damn. And what do you usually end with, Bob? finish or submissions or knockouts?
1: Guillotines. Guillotines? Yeah. Guillotines is where I always finish the fight. Yeah.
0: That's what was my favorite was guillotines at first. Once I got just the hang of it, I'd take everyone's back. It was, yeah. Do you prefer um, striking or do you prefer to be on the ground? Just for the sake of enjoyment.
1: I enjoy war. War? I enjoy standing and... swinging back and forth as hard as we can Uh until someone either gets dazed or falls to the ground.
0: And so you're working on um, continuing your professional fighting career and around the area?
1: I had a daughter last year Mm -hmm. or well January of this year actually at the beginning of this year I had a daughter and it slowed down my training a lot. Yeah. I am in and out because some some days I'm like, hey, I just want to hang out with my daughter. I don't need yeah, the gym that's where right I'm now. At too. And I mean, she's only 11 and a half months, so I, mean, I want to be with her as much as possible. Yeah. But now I'm starting to go back to the gym, training two, three times a week again. And. <clears throat> I'm hoping to get my next fight around February or March time. Hmm. Uh at one fifty five again. I'm going back down yeah. to one fifty five and staying there for good. What are you at now? Right now I'm weighing about one eighty. One eighty. And
0: do you actually feel better when you're at f- when you're at those lower weights? Like do you personally feel like and not in her store but in the shoulder. Area. Uh-huh. not really. So yeah, that'd be fucking perfect. At least you didn't, like, try to endanger your life or anything yeah, like that. That uh, shit people uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck, man. I'd be helping you down the stairs. Suck <laughs> you or something. I got this. <laughs> me yeah. I'm going to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Um, anyway, the, so with your fighting and stuff, what's your what, – what would be next? So work on your professional fighting – and do you have to get to a certain place and try to go to other promoters or something? Like I don't, I've never understood how one goes from like local.
1: And like you, gotta the be seen, you gotta be known. You gotta. Like scouts or something. Yeah, like somebody's like, "Oh, dude, he did a really sick kick at knockout. Like, I really like that. He had control in the cage the whole time he fought. I think he'd be really good for says promotion here mm-hmm. or. If your coach and you can like fill out like a, something online, like, like another place is looking for fighters, like um, UFC has the tough tryouts. You go out there, you and your coach fly out there, you try out for the UFC. Yeah. And if you make them there, you do. If you don't, you don't. And most fighters that lose in tough go on to other promotions. Oh... So, you guys got to be seen. You got to get those fights. Okay. And the thing
0: that's important when you're going into a fight is not just winning the fight, but making it interesting? Or is it one or the other?
1: Mine, the reason why people remember me is because I put a lot of heart out there. Yeah. And I fight with every ounce of passion I have.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm not scared to get hit. And I'm not scared to try crazy things.
0: Oh, and people, are, yeah, people enjoy that and people can relate to that. And I see what you're yeah. saying. So it's part It's part of the story of who you are and your determination, what yeah. you put
1: forth, your technical. And, yeah, your likability pretty much. You, you got to yeah. sell yourself out there. I exactly. Mean, if you're going to go out there and punch a kid in the face once and guillotine guillotine and have him tap out, that's, I mean, yeah, you tapped him out. You did really good. You were noticed. Mm-hmm. But. That's too short of a fight for me. I like to go as far as my body can take me. I see. I see.
0: Yes. You see, you like to try to take kind of almost exhaust your opponent in a
1: lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, if I'm getting beat, Mm -hmm. I want to get beat beautifully. Yeah. Like my Hmm. last professional fight, I went out there against a Golden Glove boxer. And I stood toe to toe with him. I swung at him. He swung at me. He did a couple overhands, connected. I hit the ground, bounced back up. The the ref tried waving it off, Mm -hmm. saying I was out. And I was like, No, no, I'm still going. I'm still in this. Like you're not waving me off yet. And the ref's like, Are you sure? And I was like, Yeah, I'm damn sure. I'm in this to win it. So I'm all dazed. (laughs) I just got a flash knockout. And I go back up towards him cause he tried, he tried to hit her and walk away and uh-huh. like he hit me and turned around like he was oh. done. So I bounced back up and I was like, no, that, that's not cool. You can't do that to me. So <clears throat> went back out there again. and mean, and I went toe to toe again, started swinging. He had another overhand on me. I fucking was dazed. I hit the fence, bounced back, came at him again, started circling a couple times. Cause I didn't know where I was. Mm-hmm. Then he comes and hits me again. I hit the ground and this time he hops on me Ooh. and I'm already out cold when I hit the ground. So he starts hitting my head, he starts bouncing off the ground the ref's like, nope, done. Oh. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done this time. Yeah. Took <laughs> this I lost part. interesting. Yeah. Like, every else in that fight, like in that card, like when they lost, mm-hmm. they just like were done. When I got hit, I hit that ground, I bounced right back to my feet the second later. And the rep tried calling it off, and that's when I was like, No, i am got this. I'm making this interesting. Yeah,
0: push through it, yeah. <laughs> Damn. And to, um, your desire to test yourself and to see how far you could take yourself. Um, how long have you been into that kind of thing? Like, does it come manifest in other ways before martial arts, or did it just come up?
1: I've been the uh, daredevil my whole life. Really? Like, I used to. I used to run and jump off my roof into my empty pool with like just that gross swampy water at the bottom. The bit. fuck you and fucking like about damn about like maybe a foot deep only. You to run, and jump off our roof into the pool and freaking just shallow dive it. Whoa. <laughs> like stupid shit. Like I busted my front two teeth out before a couple times. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm laying on the, my fourth and fifth set of teeth. Um, I don't know. I have this weird disease. No. You're but right. My <laughs> I, son's mother kind of, I think she does too. So I got like the four or five sets of teeth. And like, oh, like most of these are my fourth set of teeth I've had. Yeah. And if I, I'm figured out if I lose these, I don't get them back. I have really? like three missing teeth. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I'm afraid if I want when, to when I go to the dentist, then I'm going to lose all my teeth. I don't have like five or six broken teeth.
1: I have a, I, feel pain. I have this really bad gum disease,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of like, uh oh, what's it called, um, scurvy. Yeah. So like, I brush, I bleed a lot. Oh, like, really? I, my roots are all rotten, so my teeth are somehow staying in here every time I get hit by a freaking fist. Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, my teeth are pretty much rotten, but... They're connected. <laughs> oh, and do you have to imagine
0: going to a dentist and like They, they always the want to rip them out,
1: out, but I tell them no. Yeah. They fine. want to rip all my teeth out. I'm just like, no, I don't need dentures. I'm, I'm good with these teeth I have. That's what my mom has. has
0: top dentures and she's about to lose her bottom teeth. My sister too, and my brother, my dad, everyone but me has dentures. My, Brush your teeth, kids. Yeah, that's what I tell my son. <laughs> I'm like, I got broken teeth. That's reversible. Man, <laughs> that... don't grow
1: back. Yeah. yeah,
0: they ain't got wizardry yet. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's, and um, what you call it? So growing up, you grew up in Michigan, you said Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And what brought you from Massachusetts over here? That's,
1: oh. When I was 15, my grandmother died, Mm -hmm. and I was bounced in foster homes. Oh, yeah. And then when I turned 18, I kind of ran away a few months before I turned 18, Uh and I was living on the streets for a little bit. And um, two days before I turned 18, an officer picked me up and was like, hey, you're on a runaway list. And, yeah, then I was just, well... I was like seventeen at or seventeen at the time, and it was March um, seventeenth, St. Patrick's 17. Day. St. Patrick's Day, actually. Um, cop picked me up, and then the next day, I went down to uh, the DS, DHS. DCS, D S or D H S? Yeah, D H S. Yeah department of child care at DCS. I don't
0: yeah, know. That it's
1: some weird now. shit here, but yeah. And was just to <laughs> add for, some name
0: <laughs> for children state sponsorship. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, add some name. Okay. So um then I went um went there and they're like, "Well, you're 18 tomorrow, so <laughs> here's some oh, here's like soap, a bar of soap, here's some shampoo and conditioner. Here's Two coupons for kids meals from McDonald's. Here's two coupons for kids meals from Burger King. Bye. Were <laughs> <laughs> you, you like frightened or were you relieved? I was like, oh, just hold This is so much. <laughs> oh, really? Right. Because your standard is, is
0: less than right. And then
1: um, I went to uh, live with my brother. Um, the next day, I went to the high school and I was like, I'm dropping out. JT. March nineteenth, my birthday. I'm dropping out. <laughs> <laughs> so um then uh when I dropped out my I went and got all my stuff. My ring I really went to get all my stuff from uh their their facility where all my stuff was kinda left in the classroom when I left. Uh huh. So, and they had all my stuff. So that was so cool. I was oh, like, oh, she she got all shit. your shit back. So I got all my stuff now and um
0: I'm at, like my, really
1: I'm at my brother's house for like a month to get my eight thousand dollars for my grandmother dying because now I'm eighteen, and I can get that eight thousand dollars for my grandmother dying. So my brother had, um my brother and his wife help me out get him to take it out of here. I've only ever saw like a thousand of that dollars. Yeah, I don't care. My brother can have the other seven thousand for. I know. No, being cool with me. Exactly. So I, I come over here. Yeah, I yeah, I so I come over here, get that thousand dollars, um, fly out to Washington State for to live with my mom because my mom was out here. Mm-hmm. A couple months in, I signed up for Job Corps and Cesar Woolley. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I uh, went to Job oh, yeah, Corps and Cesar Woolley. Um, did that for two years, graduated. Was it?
0: Did you Enjoy it there. Did it like? I, did it get you motivated to uh, branch out into different shit, or um, was it like? Did you dislike it?
1: A month into it, I had my GED and I Damn. had my permit. Two months into it, I had my driver's license already, and um, I was taking the cement masonry and going to high school because I still wanted to do high school. No. I I passed my GED with flying colors, so it gave me a couple credits. Really? Yeah, um, and then. I did um, high school there for, um, I was in Job Corps for two years, graduated at Cement Masonry and graduated high school in Job Corps. Mm-hmm. And um, like a month before I graduated Job Corps, I signed up to go to the Army. Yeah. Whoa, what inspired
0: you to do that?
1: <laughs> Shit. I was in Job Corps, right? They were coming and saying cool
0: things. (laughs) They wouldn't let one of our guys that I work with leave when he was working, like fixing a window there, until he'd sign up for the Air Force. (laughs) It was
1: like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they wouldn't leave me alone. So I joined. I signed all the paperwork and I joined the army. And then I went down and did my ASVAB test scored like an 86 on it or something crazy like that. And they're like, what jobs do you want? We have fire support and we have infantry. And I was like, oh, I'll take infantry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God,
0: (laughs) It's just complete disconnect. Like, like, "Oh." (laughs) oh God. They seem like they do that on purpose, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, I got into the infantry. Um, oh, went through uh, basic training, got through it. Um, started having seizures, and so I uh, got a discharge out of the army. Um. So I, then that's when I started working at uh, the oil well in. Burlington and a couple months into that, mm-hmm. I saw live Iron and Fitness. Really? <laughs> Holy shit. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Wow. And you before
0: that, like martial arts has never been part of your life or you never considered it really?
1: No. Wow. It was just like, I was like, okay, I love doing combatives in the army, so i from the army combatives. I was like, oh, MMA, I can get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was, well, that was the only link. That was the only connection for me.
0: And when you were younger and stuff, did you ever have anything that you, like, anything that you've desired? Whereas um, anything that you wanted to be, for instance, when you grew up, I guess, for that cliche word?
1: Oh, like when I was a kid, what did I want to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's a cliche answer then. I want to be the president. You want to be the president? I want to be Why president. I want to be the president. He was the shit. He was a bit, well, maybe. He was a top deal. I was like, okay. I can understand fighting too
0: in a lot of (laughs) ways Because it's a performance. Because that's what I I
1: I I want to be on top.
0: in the, the performance aspect of uh, holding people's attention and not that's not meant in a negative way because people always seem I, be good a, ways I want to be a comedian ways. Yeah. one time too I
1: want to be a comedian I was like that's, I just love the crowd I love the entertainment that's what I do
0: too that's what I'm saying is that I, I, feed love, into it. I love yeah I love performing like um, my ego not so much because for me it's like I'm really self-deprecating I like, think like I'm a piece of shit and I need to stop doing that because that's just as bad as the opposite of thinking you're the best. But um, that's just crowd work. I love working a crowd, whether it's poetry or comedy, even fucking podcasting, man. It's it's fun. Yeah, you should. So still, I can relate to you like, on that
1: aspect. I've always been that dirt I used to always be yeah. like, like, hey, you want to see this the next trick I can do on my bike?
0: <laughs> see, that's where like, I'm not. I've never had those aspects, but I've always desired that to where just step off the edge. And yeah. lately, it seems more and more I'm fucking gravitating towards that shit, especially skydiving. You got to come skydiving. 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 I was skydiving last yeah. spring, and oh, I'm getting my, um, so it's $150 a whippy. And if you do it 12 times, I believe, you have to do it so many hours, which isn't that much. You can do it for fun. And you can do do it towards yeah Yeah. solo. But if you do a solo, it's only fifteen dollars every time you go up. So instead of paying hundreds, you pay fifteen dollars if you have your own suit and you're good. Yeah, I am. I think that a person, you know, essentially dies when they think that they found themselves. You know, unless you want to admit that you yourself are not an individual and are just part of a whole movement of ideas and thought and culture and humanity and furthermore the universe and everything unless you really feel like that and you're walking through walls you know you are always trying to find yourself and it's usually a person who believes that they've found the answer found the end that there actually is a psychological end